Welcome to Moody's Mixer. Winning with prostate cancer. This is another live episode coming to you from Wichita Falls, Texas. This is the third stop on my journey across the country. LA from Atlanta to Las Vegas. It's a 30 hour journey, 2,097 miles. I'm halfway home and what a journey it has been. More than I imagined. So I'm here again in the lobby of another hotel broadcasting about prostate cancer and my journey with it. So it's been a great trip and I look forward to getting home, but this journey has been tremendous, more than I can even imagine. And I'm learning so much about myself on this journey and how things are just evolving in my life. And these are things that I've always, as a young child, dreamed about in my life. And sometimes we need a, a kick and a hiney. We need to be shooken up. You know, like a person in a scary movie, you know, it's like, hey, get up. You got to get out of there. And as much control, as much as I thought I had control of my life and things I needed to do, there's always room for improvement. Always. That's one thing I learned from my mom. Never be satisfied with where you are. So I've got off the treadmill and the hamster wheel of my life after 59 years. And I can say it took prostate cancer to get me off the hamster wheel, off the treadmill. And, and I use a treadmill sometimes for training in track and field. And what I understand is I can only do s certain things on the treadmill that I can, can't do on the street or on a track. But if you have those options not available, you got to kind of make do with what you have. And this trip is showing me and exposing things that I need to learn how to make these adjustments in my life, because everything's not always going to be perfect. You know, I guess I've always kind of been a perfectionist. But I think more than anything, I've always wanted to get better and better and better. And there's times in my life that I may have been told, hey, man, you're doing great. This is good. You look good and you're running good. Your, your grades are good. 
But are there always room for improvement? And I always remember winning certain races and we went in certain ball games, but we had bad games or had a bad race, even though you won. You know, when we compete, you know, winning is the goal. But at what level are we competing at? Is it just a local meet, a local game? Is it regionals? Is it state? Is it nationals? Is it worlds? What stage are we competing on? And what stage do we ask ourselves, how well are we performing? Just because we won, does it mean we can relax? So I'm learning that no matter where I am or what I think or what people tell you, what you read, there's always more to learn and, and things to do. So how is this trip affecting me? Well, you know, I'm on highways, interstates, which are different. They're getting me to my final destination, but I have to take different routes. So I talked to, I wrote about using my GPS system and I, I rely on my GPS system to get me from point A to point B. Even when I know how to get there, because what I learned and understand now that GPS system knows when there's an accident, construction sometimes it gets me around bottlenecks but it's things I can't see I can't see that there's an accident five miles apart five miles ahead that's causing a 30 minute slowdown so as I'm driving through Dallas getting to Wichita Falls Texas it first told me hey you got a Slow down, that's going to add five minutes to your trip. You're still on the fastest route. So I kept going. Minute later, it pops up. Hey, here's a new route, new route that would save you 12 minutes. Do you want it? I said, yes. Because I believe that that GPS is avoiding things I don't need to see or time that's being wasted. I can't see it but I have to trust that system to get me around what I can't see. So I took that route. Now I'm on a highway. I'm on, I think it was 81, 240, 247. It's taking me right to Wichita Falls, Texas now. Now I'm on a highway as opposed to an interstate. There's some, minor differences between an interstate and a freeway. And a lot of this access to how you get on, how you exit from a freeway onto an interstate. So it's a little different. So what do you do? How do you make that change? 
Well, what I noticed when I was in Shreveport visiting my relatives, they live in Keysville, Louisiana. I remember we used to write letters we had to send. You know, we have addresses like 9544 South Union. You know, that was my address in Chicago. And I remember sending some mail. It was Route 1, Box 3, which is their mailbox. So it was a different way how we had to get mail to people who lived off a, a major street. But what's also interesting is the highway they live off of, you know, that speed limit's 55 miles an hour. Well, that's highway traffic speed. So you pull off his, you pull out of his driveway right onto the highway. These cars are doing 55 miles an hour when you're trying to make a turn onto a street, onto a driveway, you have to slow down, but you have to get over to the shoulder because if you don't, you can get rammed in the back because these cars are zooming. And so as I'm coming through Texas, this is the first time I've seen speed limits 75 miles an hour. But interesting is that you have to enter and exit these highways with cars going 75 miles an hour. And I'm glad I have this V8 that has some get up and go, you know, so if I get off and, you know, I can, I can punch it and really get into traffic quick, fast, and in a hurry. You know, I have a brother who's a car fanatic, and I remember him always reading these stats about these cars this car does 0 to 60 in 5.3. This car does 0 to 60 in 4.1. And you always kind of remember, I had some friends in high school, they used to drag race. You know, how fast is your car in a quarter mile? But I understand now you need to know what your car can do to enter and exit these highways properly so you don't get hurt. And I'm learning that I got to learn this about my body also. Got to learn what makes it go, what slows it down. And as I'm going through this journey, I'm learning more and more about my body. And I thought I did prior to my diagnosis of prostate cancer. You know, I've been a great athlete, a great masters, world champion athlete, world records, you know, and I thought I was really taking care of my body. But there's still a little more nuances I needed to understand about my body. Same thing about my car and running and driving on a freeway as opposed to an interstate. The interstate, you have what they call an acceleration lane and a deceleration, you know, when you're exiting. Well, highways are just straight 90 degree turns. So you got to be a little careful how you drive on a highway as opposed to a freeway. They get you there. They both get you to where you're going. But what you got to pay attention to is a little different. So my body's the same thing. I've been running and taking care of my body. How can I get prostate cancer? Well, there's so many things in all of our bodies are different. That someone else could have had the exact same life lifestyle that I have and not have prostate cancer. What does it take to get it healed? 
probably something a little different also. So understanding what our bodies are and what we can do with them is important, just as we do with our cars. You know, we'll take our car to the shop and get the oil changed, tires rotated, balance, alignment, so it drives better. What do we do with our bodies, though? Do we just go when it's not feeling well? That's probably the norm. If it's not broke, don't fix it. But we may take our car in every 6,000 miles, get the tires rotated every 6,000 miles, 90 days, you, you know. But we don't do that to our most precious asset or mode of transportation, and that's our body. So what, ki what prevents us from going to the doctor to find out what's happening? So I'll tell you what's a little interesting that happened to me this morning. As I was setting up my, my mobile studio, the manager at the hotel came over. You know, I went over and asked her, tell her, hey, I'm getting ready to set for my podcast. Is it okay? She said, yeah, pro no problem. You know, and she said, tell me, what's it about? And I told her it's about, you know, winning with prostate cancer. And, you know, I have a podcast. And she said, oh, my dad's into that now. I said, oh, your dad's into podcasting? She said, no, he's dealing with cancer. I said, oh, well, this is what this show's about. And we, you know, had a conversation and kind of, you know, went through it. And she's the one who took the picture of me sitting, you know, in this little studio that I'm in now, my mobile studio. So the picture that's posted on Instagram and Facebook, that's, she took it. And she said, thank you. You have made my Monday. This was a drab Monday and you made it. And I talked about when my car got towed and I had to pay $2,500 when I got to Atlanta last month. And when I went into the bank to get the cash out, the lady you know, told me to tell me the same story when her husband came out and she said, hey, my brother's got diagnosed with prostate cancer yesterday. So I've been wondering why am I doing this in public like this? And it's because of the stories you get told to you for being kind of transparent in what you're going on in your life. And I never thought that just telling my story helps others. And when you get the responses from people, when you just being obedient, it's a satisfying feeling. And I've talked about, you know, having state medals and records and championships and all that. But one of the greatest joys that I remember was coaching even. You know, seeing your daughter become a state champion, being all state in another sport. You know, those feelings are just kind of hard to repeat or try or hard to explain. 
You know, it's one of those things you kind of have to kind of be there to get it. So understanding, you know, what my body is, is so important and understanding the changes that's going on and what I have to do in order to get healed. It's not a easy walk or easy journey, but it's an enjoyable journey. I am enjoying this drive across the country. And I'm learning so much about myself. It is just remarkable. And I just always remember my mom saying, you're never too old to learn and never stop. Because see, she always, at the age of, you know, in her 80s, was doing something different. She picked up a new hobby. And I realized I'm just like her because she always did things in excellence. And she wouldn't stop until she maybe not perfected it, but realized I've reached what I can do with this. And what allows us to make that statement, I've done all I can. And we have to be careful because of what I realize sometimes we can stop and say, man, I can't figure this out. But then you got to stop and say, you know what? I've seen something like this. I've kind of trained for this. I just got to kind of press through this. And this is the strength I'm getting from this, this trip. I have to continue on getting strength on what I'm, what I'm going through. There's nothing that I, I can stop. I got to just keep pressing. But what's make this a little difficult is that I'm probably a two percenter. And I can't be afraid of being a two percenter because one of the things I've always said that I know I'm a two percenter. So why should this be any more difficult? Because I'm doing something that most people don't understand or say, why would you take a chance with your life? Well, the irony is I'm not taking a chance with my life as opposed I'm making my life what I want it to be. I want to live. I don't want to protect myself from death because we're going to all die anyway. You know, in football, you hear them say, you know, you don't be too passive. You can't, you know, don't sit back and try not to lose as opposed to go ahead and win. Well, I just want to win. So if I want to win, I know what the variables are. I know what I need to do. I just got to execute. And I just can't be afraid of it. You know, when you compete, you know, in, a, in an athletic, you know, sport or something that, you know, you got folks that like to talk trash, get you out your game, make you nervous. Make you choke. Well, you know, a lot of physicians, that's what they want us to do. They want us to choke 
and just say, okay, let me just let him do or let her do what they say I need to do. Instead of knowing what we can do on our own. So on this trip and coming through, leaving Shreveport, coming to Wichita Falls, which is my first time being here. That trip just had me reflect on the great times that I had with my family while I was in Shreveport. Now, now I understand I was only supposed to be in each stop. I got six stops. I'm supposed to be in each stop one day. But I ended up spending four days in Shreveport because it was just so refreshing to be with family and to talk about life because we can be transparent with our families. Just we, you know, we should be able to. You know, I tell my wife all the time, just tell me the truth. It's, you know, not about lying, but don't worry, don't hold it back. Just tell me what's going on. It's okay. Because we can fix what we know. We can't fix what we don't know. I had a guy work with me, you know, you know, Brian, he used to always say, they don't know what they don't know. And I never, you know, it registered with me that we don't know what we don't know. But don't be afraid of what you don't know. And see, I've never been afraid of what I didn't know. Because I've always wanted to learn. And then I always say, okay, what are the outcomes if I do A, B, C, D, F, and G? Now I can make a choice. And I try when I raise my kids not to tell them what to do, but explain different options. You guys make the choice. And we have to live with the results. Good, better, and different. And dad would do the same thing with us. And he, he may say, hey, look, all right, now this is what I think is the best answer, but you make that decision. But if we made one of those other decisions, then you come running back, he shake his head, no, 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 that was your decision. So making decisions in our lives are very important and what gives us the strength to make good decisions. And I just learning that results are the results and can you build on what those results are if the turnout wasn't what you expected. So I understand more and more and this trip is just revealing more and more Keep working, keep getting better. And when I come back, I'm gonna take a little break. I'm gonna talk about some of the changes that have happened from stop to stop and how it's improving every stop that I make. So I'll be right back. And thanks for listening, tuning in.
Okay. Let's get back to it. So what changes and I don't like really saying changes, but what has evolved? What have I been exposed to to make this trip every leg better than the next? Well, I'm leaving earlier from each location. I'm preparing my podcast better. I'm preparing my my treatments better. So this is my third stop. So what has kind of been the difference just in these between stop one, two, and three? Well, my first stop was Jackson, Mississippi. And I unloaded everything that I needed to to wake up and clean, you know, be change my clothes and do my treatment and do my podcast and, you know, and hop to the next leg. But I'm at stop three, Wichita. That process or system looks a little different now. And it's more effective and it's more efficient than what it was stop one. And so stop one, you know, I did my show. Then I packed up, took everything upstairs to get ready to leave because in the first you know, live show is three hours. And I didn't plan on it being three hours. I was just talking, things just started happening. Next thing I know, it's three hours. And that's the max I can have on a on a show at a time. So I ended up having to rush off to, you know, try to have a decent close. But I went upstairs and got ready and came back down and called the hotel, asked for a late checkout. They said, no problem, and I kind of did that. Then I got to Shreveport, and next thing I knew, instead of being overnight, I'm there three days. So I actually did my show, the podcast, on Saturday, and I was able to kind of relax, just do the show, hit the gym in the morning, then go see my relatives and, you know, hang out with them another day. Now, here's this, this is a one-day stop. This is just a rest stop. But I approached it a little different. So, again, I bring everything up to the room, all my equipment, my clothes, my food, everything. But I went to bed early, turned the TV off, listened to my 
meditation, my sleep podcast that I listen to. And I went to bed. Now, I've been waking up early for several years. I get up to go to the gym, get my morning runs in. You know, in Las Vegas, you, you're not finished running by 6.30, 7 o'clock. It can be unbearable. So I'm used to getting up at 5, 5.30 running in the morning. And even in Atlanta, you know, I get up early so I can get to the, get to the office. And then since the pandemic, I still get up early. Since the diagnosis, I still get up early. And, you know, I was getting up early because sometimes, you know, God would tell me I need you to write. And that's when I would post something on Facebook. So I'm used to getting up early. But the last few months, you know, I've been getting up early. It's just laying around and, you know, trying to maybe go back to sleep. But this morning, I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, as they say, at, you know, 6 a.m. And I'm like, okay, I got four hours before I say I'm going to do this show at 10 o'clock, Central Standard Time. What am I going to do different than my last two stops? Well, I did some of my treatment, you know, that, that's about an hour process. That's my coffee enema, y'all. But, you know, did that. Then I started packing my stuff, taking it to the car, getting everything together. You know, I unloaded everything. You know, I had an hour left. Then I set up my podcast. I was able to just kind of do it in nice, slow process, not rush, not feel like I got to hurry up. And I had 20 minutes to spare. But not really to spare because now I could get my picture taken. I could do my story on Instagram. So you understand, you know, this social media stuff now, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm amazed with it now. I'm in love with it because, you know, my brother, some of his friends, you know, they taught me what a story meant, how you write a story on Instagram, how it works. I never knew. So that's kind of like my my commercial. I'm, it's like I was able to do that, have everything set up, set up my microphones, you know, have everything, and kind of just exhale. And be ready for the podcast. And now when I'm done today, I pack up my equipment, put it in the car. It's just two bags and, my, you know, my, my suitcase with my equipment and another bag with my microphone. Take it out to the car, hit the road. I'm going to hit the road by noon today. I'm going to be in... Um, well, I'm going to another place in Texas. And I'm going to be there by 4 o'clock. Daylight. This is what I said I wanted to do, is do daylight driving. This is going to be the first leg that I got total daylight driving. So I'm going to get to Amarillo, Texas today at 4 o'clock. Get to relax, bring my stuff up, set up, set up my, my refrigerator, get my food. You know, 
If y'all follow me on Instagram, you, you see I posted my, my dinner yesterday. Nice salad, soup, and a sweet potato. It was great. But this stop here has been easier than the other stops because the process is getting better. Just like the process of my healing is getting better. You know, I can do some of my treatments, you know, 45 minutes now. When I first started, it took an hour and a half. Getting better and better, more efficient, making it easier. Because part of what I believe has triggered this cancer is the stress I had on my body. I don't know if it's so much mental stress as it was physical stress. You know, I'm not running anymore right now because I got to save what I have for this healing process. And I'm missing running. I wanted to run when I was in Atlanta. But it just never happened. I tried to force it. I mean, I, didn't, I never put my shoes on as if I was going to run and I started and didn't stop. But I kept saying, I'm going to run tomorrow. I'm going to wake up and run. Because that's what what I was used to doing. Getting up, putting in 5, 7, 8K. You know, and I used to always, you know, I had a running partner. We used to just send each other our run keeper stats, what's going on for the day. You know, Brian used to, you know, we used to, even when we were apart, we would send each other what we did today. Can't do that anymore. Because I need every bit of strength and stress for my body to to do this healing. So I had to give that up. I'm in the I'm in the gym, you know, doing my dumbbells, medicine balls, some things like that now, just to get me a little exercise and stuff in. But it's different. Maybe one day I'll be able to run again. But giving it up. Is a choice I had to make because I believe the healing process that that would take away from it. And there may be some others who are actually running and getting healed from it. But I know the stress that I put on my body when I ran. You know, I'm a 58, 59 year old man. I'm, you know, I'm running three to four miles. I'm still running seven-minute miles under seven-minute miles when I came and I'm running running real hard. I'm putting stress on my body. You know, so I can say, man, I'm in great shape, man. You know, I shouldn't get sick. But it's stress. And then slowing my brain down. Always in a hurry. And that stop in Shreveport showed me slow down because I had a schedule. I had it planned out. Now, so far, the stops are still the same stops on the way. You know, after I leave Amarillo, Texas, I'm going to Albuquerque. And Albuquerque is a place I always wanted to go. 
and they have a a curio hotel, Hilton Curio um, hotel there. And it looks real nice. And I'm like, I might stay here maybe a couple of days. Because I said I needed a vacation anyway. Well, how can it be a vacation, man, traveling across country, man? That's, that's stress. But now if you listen and be obedient, it can be relaxing. And it's relaxing now. Because I'm being obedient. I'm listening. So my body is just responding the way it's supposed to. All what I've been reading, what my doctors tell me, this is what you should, you know, your body should do this. And hey, look, I've lost weight before. And, you know, it's, I'm hungry. I don't, I haven't been hungry in probably three, four weeks. And I haven't been eating a whole bunch. I haven't had any meat on this journey, on this trip since I left Atlanta. Just juice, fruits and vegetables. And some nuts. Now I can eat beans and rice and stuff and I'll get to that, but I got to cook that stuff. So, so now I had to make sure for kitchen to make sure I'm getting the nutrition and food that I can eat. And the salads, baked, uh, baked potatoes, sweet potatoes and soup. It tastes real good to me and my body's enjoying it. So I'm learning to listen and understand what's needed. And I believe this is, the body part is probably just the first part. I believe it's going to bleed into other parts of my life because so many other parts of my life has me where I am today. And I mean that in a positive way in order to, to battle this, to deal with this, and know that this is not a strain on what you're doing. It's just part of it. So I'm just going to keep rolling. Now, I, I'm saying one day in Albuquerque, but it might be two days. I kind of thought that. And, you know, Kim was going to join me in Albuquerque, but, you know, our son had some surgery, so she's going to need to stay close to home. And I'm okay with that because I'm enjoying this journey. And I said I wanted to do this journey alone anyway. And I would let her have her come join me, but the point is I don't know what's in store, and it's okay. Just keep following the plan. So I'm going to go to next stop and see what's happening. But this process has changed a little bit. And in my profession, you know, working with clients, you know, we always talking to them about process and systems. And what happens, you know, we have, businesses and, and, and they're making money. And so when we're making money, we figure 
that everything's okay. I'm satisfied with how much money I'm making. Or I, I do want to make some more money. So, you know, let me increase my revenue. Well, what I discovered in my years of practice and in training and certifications that, you know, you want to increase your bottom line. You know, if you if your sales are two million, you know, and you and you make two hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know, in profit, and you're like, man, you know, I want to make four hundred thousand next year, so I need to double my sales to four million. What we learn and what we discover, no. Let's take that two million. Let's see if we work in at optimal efficiency. And what we found out. And what we've been able to do is take that same company that's making two million and get that bottom line of the four hundred thousand. We get we turn that ten percent profit into twenty percent profit. And it's not just about not spending money. You know, there's a misnomer that accountants don't like to spend money. We just like to spend money wisely. That's why we analyze and we anal about how you do it. So we used to having to explain it. And sometimes what we want, we just want it. We don't always know why our brains and hearts and just say, man, we just want that. So let's just do it. It's like, well, hold on. So clients would be afraid to come say, hey, Corey, well, I want to buy this new car. So they just go buy it. And then, you know, it becomes a problem sometimes or it maybe was a waste. And so what I try to have clients understand is that I don't want to tell you no. I just want to maybe tell you yes, maybe more efficiently. Which means sometimes we got to dig in a little deeper to really understand why we do what we do. So you, you, you take this business that's doing two million now it's making 400,000, now it's 20%. And what we have determined that, now you operate at optimal efficiency. This is probably the most we can get out of here. This is your bandwidth. This is all you can do here now. Now you can go to that, you know, three, four million. You know, by the time you get to four million, maybe you're making a million dollar profit. Now you turn that bottom line to 25%. And so what happens sometimes, we, we go with the philosophy, I got $2 million in revenue, I made 200000 In order for me to make 400000 I just got to double my sales. Well, what happens sometimes, and most of the times, when we try to hop up to that $4 million, that $200,000 profit we were making ends up being a $50,000 loss now. Wow. How can that happen? Because our inefficiencies get exposed. We expose the weaknesses start showing up in exponentially. You know, you hear about people saying businesses grow too fast. You know, and I always wonder as an accountant, that just don't make sense. Also, you hear people say, man, I don't want to work overtime 
because I got to pay too much in taxes. That just didn't never make sense to me. But I kind of understood where people were coming from when they were making those comments. And I always wanted to kind of dig in to understand why they say that. So when you do work overtime, you know, let's, let's say you, you make $500 a week, you take out $200 in taxes, every week you got, you bring home $300. But now you work overtime, now that $500 check, that gross turns into, you know, a $1,500 gross for that week. Now they take out, you know, $900 worth of taxes. Much more than the 200 if you just, you know, multiply it by three. Well, the reason being is because you jump to another tax bracket. So when they figure your payroll, what they do is, if you made $1,500 this week, they're going to act like, hey, this person's going to make $72,000 for the year as opposed to $25,000 a year. So they take it on a global perspective as opposed just to that one week. So what you have to understand to offset that is how the tax system works. So I don't need them to take out as much taxes as they're going to do when they do that overtime because I know that was a one-trick pony for one time for that year. So you might exempt yourself or say, hey, look, only take out this amount because this is not a true indicator of how much I'm going to make for the year. Well, this is no different with our health, what are the indicators that tells us what decisions we need to do, what we need to make it better? Do we just listen to the accountant? So yeah, that's just the way that that's just the way it does on the payroll, you know, and if you go to the payroll books, you see, yeah, they did it right because people will come back and say, man, they took out too much taxes. And people would try to explain, oh, no, it's right. You know, I'll go to the book and that's the right amount. And that's actually true. But you got to kind of look a little deeper sometimes. Well, hold on. What I understand is they think you're going to make $72,000 for the whole year now. When instead of you making $25,000, you're really only going to make $26,000. You know, that little extra $1,000 bump you got doesn't put you into another tax bracket. But the withholding period, it takes out as if you're, going, you're in the next tax bracket. Now, you will get a, you know, a larger refund. You know, you'll get it back when you file your taxes. But one of the things we believe in is that you want your money during the year. You don't want to wait till the end of the year to get your refund. Now, I believe you don't never want a refund, you know, pay them a couple of hundred dollars, a thousand bucks and 
move on because that means you got the use of your money. Where our bodies are the same way. We got to understand, well, hold on. This physician, doctor went through this protocol checklist saying, hey, he needs, he can prescribe me this. And he prescribes the same thing for all of us because we all fall in this category. I can look in the tax withholding book. Yep, this is where you are. This is how much taxes are supposed to take out. Well, well, hold on for a minute. I'm really not here because that's not a true indicator of where I'm going to be at the end of the year. And that's how I approach my health is, well, hold on. I'm not going to be here in six months at the end of the year. I don't need to take this because I'm not going to be here. But that's understanding our bodies, ourselves. And sometimes you got to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And I remember having conversations and people would say, oh, man, it don't matter. Okay, then if it don't matter, let's do it this way then. Well, well, I don't want to do it that way. Well, tell me why. Just tell me why. This is because that's all we know. That's what we're comfortable with. Core, how you not doing one? Oh, man, the seeds, man, it ain't that bad. I, you know, I have folks that have done it. They, it's okay. Well, you're going to hear from folks that have had some of these treatments. And it ain't always okay. Because they can explain it now. What they what didn't happen is the questions being asked on the front end. Well, hold on. Explain this to me. Those that have worked for me, been in my office, understand. I said, just explain it to me. If you can't explain it, don't look at it. Don't even tell me. I mean, when I worked with my brother in the construction business, and as we were growing, getting larger and larger, I'm like, Dave, man, I need, uh, I need to hire a, a payable clerk. You know, it's too much work. Now, he knew it. But what he said was, explain it to me. Tell me why you need somebody. Because what we like to do, and I've seen it in practice, we always want to throw labor or people at problems. Because it looks like we're being overworked or we're working too hard. But we got to figure out why. Where's the detail? What are the KPIs? What are your key performance indicators telling you? Well, KPIs to me in my business helps me analyze and, you know, give solutions and a diagnosis to what's happening to a client's business. What's the same thing with that health? What's my blood work telling me? What are my, you know, you know, my blood pressure? What is all this stuff telling me? What do I need to do? And my blood pressure can be the same as yours, but other indicators could be different. So treatments have to be different. And what we have to understand, you go to a physician office, if you can check that box, they can prescribe this for you. What they don't know is what the side effects are. And then they start giving you 
medicines to offset the side effects. Next thing you know, you own five different medications. When the blood pressure thing could have just been changing our diet, maybe exercising more. I know it worked for me 17 years ago. When my blood pressure and cholesterol was high, instead of me popping a pill, I started losing weight and exercising. You know, and that's when I started running masters again. But that was just my choice. What could have been different? I didn't have to exercise. I could have, you know, kept eating and doing what I wanted to do. But would I be sitting here today? And I'm, people say, oh, yeah, but you got cancer now. Cancer is just an indicator. <laughs> High blood pressure is just an indicator that something's going on. But we've been trained, and as I say, the marketing machine is telling us cancer is deaf. You got it because of boom, 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 boom. I don't know why. I know I got it. I know how to heal it now, and I know how to keep it away. But I didn't think it was that important. I thought maybe my running, keeping my weight down, all that, that was enough. Not Maybe, you know, putting antibiotics from, you know, animals and, you know, pesticides even from fruits and vegetables could cause that. Or stress on my body, you know, for 17 years. And, you know, I flew almost every week. And I think I got over 3 million miles. That's stress. Taking... These red eyes. I stopped taking red eyes a couple of years ago because it was just too much. But I was trying to squeeze in as much as I could in 24 hours. See, we all have the same 24 hours. But how do we deal with that 24 hours? And I always want to be efficient and effective in my 24 hours. And that carried over into my practice or vice versa. I've always wanted to be efficient. And that's why I always tell, tell me what you see. I always tell folks, you know, that I'm working with, tell me what you see, man. Don't See, telling me I'm off the lines or I'm going the wrong way, that doesn't bother me. Never has. You know, and maybe because... You know, I got a big brother. I've been his punchline his whole, my whole life. But it did, doesn't bother me. The irony of it, most of the stuff he say kind of true. He just take it to a whole nother level. So knowing what's happening is not really an issue. And I've never felt like a victim. I winked at my wife when that doctor said it and smiled. I already knew it before we walked in there. Because I know this is part of the journey. That I needed this to get me off the hamster wheel. You know, I've done all these things to get me there. You know, we converted our office to paperless. 
you know, when we moved from Decatur to downtown Atlanta, we said, we're not taking a fax machine. We're not taking a copier machine. And it was a little struggle for some clients to say, to see that don't send us no papers. We don't want no shoebox, no bag. You got to put everything in online. And we had some conflicts and we lost some clients behind it. But that's okay. Because we had to keep, we had to move forward to this paperless, this technology that we believe was going to be the future of the firm and what we needed to do. And when the pandemic hit, it was kind of like those clients who kind of transitioned to technology and paperless didn't lose a whole bunch of steps when the pandemic hit because they were used to having to use technology. Those that didn't, and, you know, just people out there, period, you know, they're suffering because technology kind of bypassed them. We just kind of kept doing it the old way. Doing it the old. You can't do it the old way all the time. You got to make changes. I'm learning that on this trip. Yes, I got things done, but this stop here has been more efficient, more effective, less stress. And I probably did a couple of more things because I was able to fit them in because. The system is good. The process is working. So what process do we use to understand our bodies? Are we afraid to take control of our bodies, our health? And I'm not. That's why when that doctor gave me the three options, then tried to scare me to tell me, well, I can't do active surveillance if you don't do one of these three. Well, would you, don't you want to live? That's what they say to you with a diagnosis of cancer. They can't explain anything. They just want to be fear. Like when you're in athletics, you know, they want to talk smack to you, try to get you out your game, make you scared, make you nervous, or you choke. Others are just coming together. You know, I read some articles of mine, you know, from high school. You know, sinking the last two free throws to, to seal the game. You know, running a meet from behind, anchoring a relay. I won from behind a whole bunch of my life. And this is not going to stop me. So when that doctor said that, hey, man, you're going to die when you're going to live. No, you don't want me to live. You want me to be alive so you can feel like you're keeping me alive. I'm going to live because there's one greater that's going to keep me living. 
And that's just the route that I'm taking. So, I just can't believe that at this point that our decisions are up to us. And, you know, those that have been around me a long time, and that's why the interviews with my friends of over 50 years and have meant so much to me because I didn't have to read the articles about performing under pressure when your back's against the wall to come out victorious. I've been doing that my whole life. So how can someone else not tell me I can't do that? When that's my makeup. That's my real gene. That's my real genealogy. Not that my family or somebody had this disease or that disease. That, oh, well, you got it because they had it. That's like, I don't want to work overtime because that take out too much taxes. Just think about some of the ridiculous statements we make because of lack of understanding. What I'm understanding now, we got more power and control than we believe, but we got to seek it. And this trip is allowing me to seek it. And as I end this show, I want to encourage you to take control of your health, your business, your relationships. And I don't mean it from a masculinity, you know, listen to what I say. But take control of it from an understanding facts and you know what? This makes sense. Because that's what gets us through it. So this journey that I'm on is just tremendous. So I want to thank you for listening and you know you can reach me at Corey M at MoodyBennettCPA.com. We didn't have any callers today, but that's okay. You can always call in on the show. I, I encourage it to call in, but you can find me on Apple Podcasts, Winter with Prostate Cancer, and you can find me on Spotify. You can find me on Podbean. This CoreyMoody.Podbean.com. Instagram, CoreyMoodyCPA.com. So, I'm going to be hitting the road in a few minutes. 
And I'm really looking forward to this drive. Because now I know I got all daylight. I finally slowed down and caught up to where I need to be. But I'm ready to hit the road and put this car on the road and let it roll. And it rides so good. I want to thank Sherman Auto in Tucker, Georgia for getting my car ready. I want to thank Promise Home Health for talking me through this. Been some great people that's got me through this journey. And this drive is getting better and better. So thank you for tuning in. And I look forward to the next stop, which will be Amarillo, Texas. Tune in. Tell friends about this, please. Have them tune in. Have them follow me. Then that way the notifications come. They got it. Okay? So I want to thank you again. Honey, if you're listening, I'm almost there. I'm halfway home. I'm doing the best I can to get there, but I'm just being obedient. Again, thank you for listening to Moody's Mixer. Winning with prostate cancer and no fear necessary. Thank you and enjoy your day. Thank you.